my mom did for me when I was little is she would play music for me when I went to bed. So I would say, Mama, tonight we play Bee Gees. And so she put on the Bee Gees album and their song Words is one of my absolute favorites of all time. And they um, and so I would just sit there and listen to music while I fell asleep. and welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. But today we are off the Springsteen train, and we're on in my series of talking to writers and bloggers and expanding uh, the podcast to kind of talk a little bit of everyone. I have Michelle Watson, who is a writer, who is a blogger, who is a public speaker, and um, I already think she's just going to be a great guest. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you. So uh, why don't you tell – let's do a quick elevator pitch. Tell people about yourself. Okay. Well, I'm trying to figure that out still. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I want to be when I'm going to grow up either one. I just turned 61 in June. Sometimes I think I'm a 46-year-old child. Um <laughs> But as you said, I am a writer and speaker. I um, published my first memoir in September of 2019. I am also an artist, uh, kind of a creative of all trades. Mm -hmm. And um, there's probably at least one thing I touch on in every field of creativity you can think of. And um, I stay at home with my, well, that's where my office is, but, you know, I work from home and Um, I stay at home with my granddaughter, who I'm going to start homeschooling this coming year, and um, my daughter and two grandchildren live with us. Okay. How are you guys doing during this craziness of the pandemic? Well, you know, just as I was looking forward to starting to get out again, Mm -hmm. they're starting to mandate masks everywhere. Yeah. And I'm not going to wear one. It's just not going to happen because I tried it. And it made me sick. And so I'm just not going to do it. And so um, I guess I get to look forward to a whole lot more staying at home doing nothing. Yeah. uh, Now, what? where is home? Home is in Snellville, Georgia. Okay. Very nice. Um, Yeah, Georgia, uh, not as bad as Texas. In Texas, (laughs) we are really having an outpouring of the – you know, a, a, a break in the virus. And um, I went back to work about, I guess maybe now it's been five, six weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, so far, so good. We are, we are social distancing. We're, you know, um, we, we have the, everyone away in cubicles. Um, if we're in meetings, we're all wearing our masks and sitting wow. far away. Uh, we start every day with our temperature taken and, you know, have you, have you been exposed to anyone? Have you had an unusual cough? Have you had a fever? And so we're trying to be as safe as we can, but it's a scary time. It is. It is. And, um, you know, there's just so many opinions. 
on uh, social media and the news and everywhere else. And so I'm just trying to live my life as peacefully as I can yes. to continue um, to exist mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in some semblance of normalcy. You know, my husband works at a place where he can't work from home. So he's, he's never quit going to work mm-hmm. and cause he's a Georgia peace officer. And so he doesn't go, uh, he doesn't have the option of not going to work. And so, um, life has been pretty normal for us since I already stayed at home. Yeah. Um, except for not being able to go to church. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing that really changed for us. Yeah. Uh, one of my, um, fellow podcasters, uh, Rob, um, does a, um, he does a Springsteen podcast along with me and, but he is the pastor of a small church in, um, outskirts of Fort Worth and, you know, they've gone, um, they've gone virtual and socially. And so, right. uh, and, you know, he was kind of funny, like, okay, and Hey, you know, it's time for us to do, you know, <laughs> communion. So, Hey, you, you want to use donuts and coffee? You want to use <laughs> orange juice and, and peanut butter crackers? It's all, you know, it, it, it's all just in the spirit, whatever you want. So, uh, <laughs> uh, we've done a That's couple the heart, right? Yeah. Um, We've, uh, I, 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 I say this not meaning to be sacrilegious, but, um, for, you know, same thing here in Dallas, um, you know, you, you can't go anywhere. And so, um, the local, um, Fox station was broadcasting the bishop doing Mm -hmm. mass and he was going from one church to another to an empty church. Right. Oh, wow. They just, just, they just had someone, I guess someone from the vicious staff. It, it appeared to be a husband and wife do music and they mm-hmm. had, um, you know, the bishop in, in the altar service into an empty church. And so, um, and they would broadcast at 11 o'clock every Sunday. And I looked over at Linda, who's my wife. I said, you know, um, when you're sitting in your gym trunks, <laughs> sipping coffee and and if he says something interesting you can pull out your phone and google like oh what what about paul about saying that well let me look at that verse church is a lot more interesting <laughs> and and um and, and i will share he he um bishop uh kevin um for a while was stationed and he was stationed you can tell I was a military kid growing up. Um, mm-hmm. He was assigned to um, a parish in Alaska. Okay, wow. And, and he, at the end of one of his homilies, at the end of the service, he talked about it. He says, you know, I spent a lot of time in Alaska, and it, the snow is never going to end. Right. And the darkness is never going to end. He says, but slowly you see the green leaf coming <laughs> mm-hmm. through the snow. And you realize spring will return. Right. And he says, so I want all of you guys to remember spring's going to return. There is awesome. going to be something. And I, 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 you can, I'm tearing up just thinking about it. It was a very powerful uh, message. So, awesome. well, yeah. Well, I, I, I know you're missing the fellowship. And so I hopefully you'll be able to get to go back to that soon. Well, you know, my church did open back up a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just haven't gone. Yeah. I did attend a church back in May, mm-hmm. actually, that, that never closed down. Okay. They, um, had lots of 
all of their members refused to come. Yeah. Um, so it was usually just the pastor and his family broadcasting live on Facebook um, so that, you know, their congregation could hear the message. But I attended there in person a few times. And then I went to Arizona and I came back and I just didn't go back yeah. to, to church at all. But my church did open up. The problem was that they opened up with all these stipulations on social distancing and not touching people. And, and I said, I can't, I can't do it. I can't go to church to be around people and then have to be away from, you know, and then uh, somebody standing six feet next to you and, and you can't get any closer. Yeah. I just can't do it. I, I can't stand the idea of these people that I miss and I want to be around and going to see them, but not being able to be around them. You know, and, and so it's so weird to me. You know, so I, I don't know you. But I just met you, Michelle, but I'm going to take I'm going to go a wild thing. I bet you're a hugger. I am. <laughs> I am. And so I want to tell you, um, <laughs> I had the same thing when we were talking about, you know, because we spent two months um, where everyone in my office was working remote. And so we would have con calls, and, and some of them would be video calls like you and I are doing, other time just calls, and, and we would just talk about it. And I said, and I'm telling you right now, when I see y'all guys, I don't care what they say about social distance. I'm going to have to give you a hug because I just miss you too much. And and so I haven't. I've been good, you know. Uh, but the other day, uh, Christine is my, our HR director, and uh, she and I work together a lot, and she just looked absolutely so tired the other day. And I just, as I was walking out, I just, I, I reached over and I just hugged her and she just Aww. hugged back. And I'm like, <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay, it's, 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 you know, we've been working together anyway. You know, we're going to do it. Exactly. So, so I, yes. I, I feel for you. I feel for you. Um, yeah. Well, I always like to go back to the beginning. So talk to me about growing up. What kind of music did you listen to as a kid? Was your family, what was music a big part of their lives? Um, you know, I don't know if music was a big part of my parents' lives, but it was a big part of my life. Okay. And I remember, so my dad had, or my parents between the two of them had a record collection. Mm -hmm. And daddy had stuff like the Beach Boys. Mama had stuff like, Johnny Horton and Tommy James and the Shondells. Okay. So I grew up with this very eclectic taste of pop radio and, um, or of pop music from the fifties and sixties. Right. And then, um, on the top 40 radio, I listened to, I got a lot of, um, top seventies hits, sure. um, top eighties, you know, um, seventies country, which is by far the best era of country music in existence. Um, but I just grew up listening to kind of all of it. Now, is this in Georgia? No. Where'd you grow uh, up in? My, my, my daddy was from Missouri, and my mom was from California, and okay. I grew up in Oklahoma. Okay, nice. Yeah. And so um, remind me what, what in the 70s was country music were you loving? Oh, the very earliest of Reba McIntyre. You yes. lift me up to heaven and lay me down. Yes. Um, yeah, Conway Twitty. Um, oh gosh. Um, George Strait. Yeah. Would have, would have played back then at Dolly Parton and, 
um, Crystal Gale. I got yep. to see Crystal Gale and meet her in person this past fall. Oh, that was really nice. awesome. Yes. And um, I guess those would be my, my biggest country. So um, Denver, John Denver was probably going well then. That was yes, more pop. Probably. But um, I, so I'm um, – so I, I graduated high school in 77, so I'm a, okay. I'm a little older than you. But Just I, a yeah, I grew up in a family, um, and it's a joke, but it's, there's a lot of truth here, right? We listen to both kinds of music, country and Western. Um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, where Johnny Cash and Merle Haggard and Hank Williams and Loretta Lynn and, um, you know, that just they they adored though my mom did love um 50s rock like bobby darren fats domino okay. things like that um mm-hmm. so uh yeah so yes i i i remember that was we did not listen to pop rock in the car <laughs> when with my parents it was always on the country station and so um i i certainly listened to my part of our marty marty robbins and charlie pride and all this so yes uh in fact my wife will often um will be driving and some random song will come on mm-hmm. and i'll sing it and she's like how the heck do you know this song <laughs> Like oh, I heard it as a kid. So, as you're growing up and going to high school in Oklahoma, um, what um, what did your did your musical taste change a little bit, or did you stick pretty close to your roots? Uh, no, it changed because, like I said, I was used to listen to a little bit of everything sure. you know that was popular on the radio. So, I listened to. By the time I got into high school, we moved here to Georgia when I was 16. Okay. And so by the time I was in high school, I was listening to Janet Jackson. Um, and then the big hair bands came out. So sure. I did a lot of poison. Um, the more mellow stuff sure. by Alice Cooper that came out that during that time period. Oh, I don't even know. Poison's the only one I can think of. Isn't that sad? No, oh, no. Oh, Bon Jovi, I, of course. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, Def Leppard, you know. Yeah, um, sure. Because those are bands who I wouldn't even have thought, and my mom would have had a fit sure. if I'd listened to their older stuff back in the 70s and right. early 80s. Yeah. Uh, and it's hard to think of those guys being that old, but they really did play that far back. Yeah. Um, some of them, like Def Leppard and, and some of the rest of them, and, so, and Alice Cooper, of course. Um, but by the time they got to the late eighties and early nineties, they had adjusted their musical style a little bit to what was popular at that Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. And so, um, that's the time, that's the era of their music that I liked. Okay. And, um, so that was really convenient. And then, oh gosh, I don't know at what point. I started getting really heavy into the more modern country music, as long as it was still country. Once it changed yeah. to rockabilly, it was just ridiculous. Okay. Um, I left it behind. Um, but, but while, you know, um, George Strait was still going strong in the eighties and nineties and, and Garth Brooks, um, and like I said, until he changed to more of the rock style yeah. and, and less country, but he, um, yeah, I just kind of listened to all of it. Okay. I listened to boys and boys to men just as much as I listened to anything else, you know. Oh, so, how fun. Yeah, as long as it was, as long as it's a good song on the radio, mm-hmm. I've listened to it. I so, listened to everything. So as you're now an adult and you've got um, 
you know, daughter and grandchildren. It, what, um, what, what's on the turntable now? Except it wouldn't be a turntable; it would be your iPhone, or you know, the 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 car Sirius XM. However, we listen well, to our music now. Yes, yes. Okay, so on. Um, I, I still have all that old stuff. Um, so now though, it's mostly Christian and worship. Okay. And then, um, I've also got some oldies. I love the golden oldies. Um, yeah. oldies love songs, a few of the classic country love songs. Okay. I've got, um, let's see. Oh, and on my speed buttons on the radio, I've got a country station here called WCON. And they're out of North Georgia. Yeah. And they play, uh, mostly hits from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, okay. although they play a, play a little too much of the late 90s for me sometimes. Yeah. Um, but during the day, during the week, they play a lot of the more classic stuff, like Conway Tweedy, John Schneider, those kinds yeah. of guys. And so I listen to that as well. Nice. As, yep. Good. Very nice. Uh, did you happen to catch Ken Burns' PBS documentary on country music? I did. So what did you think? Watched the whole thing. Um, it was all too much information, and I don't remember a bit of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> except, okay, so so this man, I know I won't name him, um, but he was talking about getting his group's music recorded, yeah. um, recorded locally, but then mastered and published in Nashville. Yeah. And he he made a joke about having to go through the Nashville Mafia to get it done. Yeah. And, and so when I watched, and of course, you know, it's like, ha ha. But when I watched the um, documentary, yeah, I was like, that's what he was talking about. He, you know, he, he was yeah. joking, but he was serious. It's this yeah. very tight knit group of people, this it very is. close community that's very protective of themselves and of each other. Yeah. And so to get in and to be able to do what you want to do takes yeah. a lot of favor with them and with God because yeah. it's, um, you know, they're really looking out for each other first and foremost. Right. And um, that's really kind of impressive, to be honest. Yeah. I've never known that kind of community myself. And so um, just the fact that they would look out for each other that way, while at the same time promoting new people coming in and, and yeah. really – um, shaping them and grooming them for mm -hmm. success is really awesome to hear about. Okay. Well, um, I want to get to your book in just a minute, but just sure. do you have some favorite um, songs that you go to routinely? Like, I, I obviously I'm a Springsteen fan, and mm -hmm. um, and and I have, but I have other songs on my turntable that um, I, I play routinely. Um, especially during this time to give me hope and to, to kind of remind me, um, you know, that there is a, there is a, there is a future ahead. There is a better days ahead. So how about yes. you? Are there's a, are there a few that, that either make you smile and make you bring joy or they bring you comfort? Um, I wouldn't say specific songs, but okay. genres. Okay. So every now and then. You know, I want to listen to Shelly Fabre sing Johnny Angel. And mm -hmm. so I'll look that up on YouTube and, How fun. and I'll just, <laughs> I'll just click on whatever else yeah. um, YouTube might recommend on, in the margin. Yeah. Um, 
or you know, I might want to hear a another song from let's say the eighties or the seventies even, and I'll just do that and I'll just pick random songs that I want to hear or be reminded of. Um, because, and, and there's so many songs that I know that other people don't know, like John right. Schneider, um, yeah. you know, most people know that he redid it's now or never. Right. And that's the one he's probably most known for, but he had a lot of other really good songs too. Mm -hmm. And so I'll just go looking for those one day when the mood hits me. Yeah. Um, cause I got to meet him too. Okay. And I kissed him on the cheek and it was really great. <laughs> So, While he is singing, it's now or never to me. So, nice. I, <laughs> That's a nice memory. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. So, that, um, so every now and then I just get in the mood that I want to hear, you know, Conway Twitty. Sure. I, I, I'm a big Conway Twitty fan. I love him. And um, just randomly listen okay. to a song from my childhood that I remember, you know, still, still listen to Johnny Horton. You know, one thing my mom did for me when I was little is she would play music for me when I went to bed. Okay. And so I would say, mama, tonight we play Bee Gees. And okay. so she put on the Bee Gees album and their song words is one of my absolute favorites of all time. Sure. And they, um, and so I would just sit there and listen to music while I fell asleep, whatever That's... album I asked her to play, she would usually play for me. And I got to just lay there and listen to the music. That's a nice memory. It is. Thank you. That, that, that's a nice memory. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and now I'm drawing a blank, but um, <laughs> no, I, I just had a guest that told a similar story that oh, yeah. her dad would sing them to sleep, but oh. it would be, and, and I'm, I can't remember the song, but it was something and, and my listeners are going this song, Jesse. Uh, but it was, <laughs> it was something that you would not have thought, um, you know, that it would have been a, Good night song, but it, it ended up being there, so that's awesome. All right, so tell me a little bit about your book. Okay, about my book. It is called Peaceful Heart, Healthy Body, and it's a memoir about the different healings I've been through uh, over the years from 30 years of migraines okay. that doctors could not explain All right. to eight years of hip pain that, again, doctors could not explain. Mm -hmm. I went through seven surgeries from mm -hmm. 2010 to 2019. Uh, the first two surgeries were within 30 days of each other. Oh, no. Three of the surgeries happened within 12 months of each other from, uh, I want to say, April 2014 to uh, March 2015. Mm -hmm. And then eight weeks later, I had a miscarriage. Mm. So I might have the years wrong because I think the miscarriage was in 2016. Okay. So, but anyway, you get the idea. Sure. So I've had all these physical challenges and, and stuff. And a lot of it was, most of it's not explainable by the doctors. They don't know why I get these bone spurs when I have an injury. I mean, they do scientifically know, but they don't understand why my body doesn't heal naturally sure. from okay. the injury the way it should. But yet I can heal almost instantly from a surgery. <laughs> so right. it's, it's really odd. Okay. Um, but I wrote the book to tell my story because a couple of the stories of healing that are in there 
are about how I started telling my story. I started speaking up about um, past childhood trauma, rape, and that kind of thing, um, which manifested in physical healing for me. That was, again, the doctors couldn't explain it. And so I've learned very quickly, and I, and I want women to know, um, you can't, your viewers or your listeners can't see, but you can see there's a woman in freedom on the cover. Right. And um, so I want women to know that a lot of times when they have this unexplainable chronic pain or symptoms without the doctors having a diagnosis or an explanation for them, a lot of time it is due to past trauma of some kind. And if they'll start speaking up and telling their story, most of the time they can get healed. And in fact, it was a GI doctor who um, had first, well, who had finally told me after four colonoscopies that there wasn't anything wrong with me mm -hmm. um, and that I needed to see a psychiatrist. Mm. And fortunately, he had been reading articles about women who had had the same symptoms as me. And there was nothing wrong with any of them either. The one thing they all had in common was that they had been raped. And so he and I talked and I came home and prayed and God healed me from that moment. Um, the steps that I took in the, in the book or the steps that I took that I wrote about in the book, um, my healing started to manifest almost immediately. You know, what I find interesting, Michelle, and I, and I thank you for sharing your story sure. is the, you know, you 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 came to this with a positive spirit, right? Like too many times you hear stories of there's nothing wrong with you physically. You know, it's all in your head. You need to go. You need to go see a psychiatrist. You need to go see a shrink. And 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 it's almost dismissive as if your pain's not real. And it right. is real. It's very real to you. And there is a reason. And mm -hmm. um, I think that's interesting to think that. Just like in, in, I'll share, um, um, my wife kept, was, was having a lot of problems and doing, was like, would forget, like couldn't find her car in the parking lot and mm -hmm. just would forget how to drive home. And, and we're really concerned and went through, I, I'll keep this short, but went through a lot, a lot of different reasons. And finally sure. she was talking to, um, a, an actual a physical therapist she was working with and she says man your your knees you know got some scars and then goes yeah you know on my mountain bike i fell all the time and they mm -hmm. said um well how often did you fall and she goes well, yeah. only two or three times where i broke my helmet the rest of the time my helmet stopped <laughs> only two or three times <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not funny. No, it is funny, and that's exactly the purpose. And so, and she said it with a straight face. So all of a sudden, they determined. So they determined that uh -huh. um, that she had similar to um, football players having massive mm -hmm. concussions, and that's what led to this. And so, uh -huh. but for the longest time, not having a reason for this happening drove her crazy. Yes. And, 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 and it made her feel, I, I, I know I'm not, I, I know I'm not imagining this. It's, right. you know, this is, I'm not pretending this. I don't want to hurt. And the idea of just like her past physical actions resulted mm -hmm. in this, the idea that past emotional traumas could be manifesting in physical pain, mm -hmm. I think is interesting. And, um, it, and I do see the reality of that. 
and how to and I think that's an interesting book to pursue to um to do as part of the healing part of the healing process. Yes. Yes, thank you. Um well, you know, I wasn't always positive about it. Yeah. <laughs> um cuz for colonoscopies and the reason I went through that many was because I went through several different GIs and yeah. you know with each move relocation with the military yeah. whatever um we did so the first thing every new doctor wants to do is a colonoscopy make sure yeah. there's nothing wrong um and so by the time I saw this last doctor I I finally went and saw him because I was fed up because it's one of those things where the symptoms aren't always present. Sure. And so you only go see a doctor when it's really bothering you, right? Exactly. And so, um, so I go to him and, you know, a lot of it had to do with his attitude because he didn't just, there were doctors who made me feel brushed off. Yes. But he, he didn't. He said, there's nothing wrong with you. I mean, he just gave me one of the most painful exams I'd ever had in my whole life. Mm-hmm. And he's telling me there's nothing wrong with me. And like, but then what's going on, you know? And um, he said, well, after we talked and he kept reassuring me there was nothing wrong, I wasn't going to have to go through another colonoscopy because I told him I wasn't going to. Sure. Um, he said, well, let me ask you this embarrassing question. And I said, sure, what's that? And he said, have you ever been raped? And I said, yes. And he said, that's your problem. You need to go see a psychiatrist. And so because he didn't make me feel brushed off, he mm-hmm. let me know, you know, look, after our conversation, I can see that this is probably what your issue really is. Now, fortunately, I had already had that same experience. Mm-hmm. See, um, the eight years of hip pain that mm-hmm. I had that I mentioned earlier I had that and nobody could tell me what was going on. I went through physical therapy. I went through pain pills, you know, uh, exercise, all of it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until one day I sat down across from my pastor. I told him my entire life story and I got up pain free and it never bothered me again. Wow. So, <laughs> you know, so this is a, a lifestyle that I live. If, there's something physically going on that you're not quite sure what it is. Try seeking out counseling. Try finding a friend, um, a coach, somebody who can help you dig deep into those stories that you might not have told other people. You know, because I, I had told people. People knew I'd been raped. I didn't know it was something that was psychologically bothering me um, until that day. Wow. I appreciate you sharing that. And you. the idea of your carrying, whether knowingly or unknowingly, this this hidden weight, and that's causing your body to react against itself. That I could see that. That's interesting. Um, based mm-hmm. on your experience, so you just felt like you needed to to get this message out to other women or men yes. for that matter. But or specific, men for that yeah, matter. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, um, so walk me through the process. How, uh, talk about writing it. And, uh, I, it sounds like you had a very clear vision of what you wanted to accomplish. Yes, definitely. Started out with a vision, um, first and foremost. And, um, you know, when I write, I just write. 
Okay. And so I just sat down and I wrote um, every story that I thought of that needed to go in the book. And it's easy when you're starting. So a memoir, you know, there's different types of memoirs. Some only cover sure. a certain era of your life. Some cover, um, like mine, a specific topic. So because I was only including those instances of healing that were pertinent to the story, it really helped narrow down. Sure. And that takes care of a lot of the editing. You know, typically when you write, or at least when I write, you just write down anything and everything. Sure. And then you'll edit later. But because I was focused on a specific topic, I knew only those things needed to go into the book. So actually, the reason it chose a memoir style instead of a biography mm-hmm. was because um, a lot of it happened a long time ago. So I can't tell you word for word what happened. Sure. Um, but doing it in a memoir style helped me add more to the story, helped me condense some of those conversations down so that the story flowed more easily. So that instead of telling you all 20 conversations I had with my doctor, it seems like I only had two with him, you know? So it's, um, that was part of my process. And then I do all of my own major edits and then I get someone else to do the final check of grammar and spelling and stuff like that for me. Interesting. So, um, when you, how's this response been? Um, you know, it's usually pretty good as long as I continue to promote the book, but yeah. I don't always actively promote it. Sure. Um, it did first, it did well, of course, its first month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, everything tapered off and then COVID-19 happened just as we were starting to revamp things and, and change things some a bit. But, um, you know, mostly I just want, even if nobody ever buys the book, right? I just want them to know that there's someone willing to listen to their story, someone who will um, not judge them and who yeah. will help them flush out those things that maybe they don't know are there. And so that's kind of what I do a little bit of now. Yeah, I saw on the, by the way, I, I'm smiling because I've had a couple of musicians on the show, um, singer-songwriters, and they talk about, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to promote a new album when you can't tour. You can't, yeah. you can't go to a club. You can't play your songs and then sell the CD afterwards. You can't do anything. So um, exactly. similar thing, There's you can't do it. Though before the pandemic, I noticed on your website you, you have done some public speaking. So talk to me a little bit about that. I did, um, although it's been quite a long time. Okay. I did, I did public speaking um, when I very first started. So when I first started my company, it was called Top Flight Communication Incorporated, and it was um, editing and speaking. Okay. And I, because of my surgeries that happened yeah. between that time and this, because see, <laughs> my first surgery was in the first month of opening my business. Wow. So, or not my first surgery, but one yeah. of those three that were in that, that 12 sure. year, 12 month period that I told you about. Yeah. Um, that was also the same time period that I started my business. Okay. And so I took a lot of time off mm-hmm. and then would come back, but then take a lot of time off again. Yeah. And so now I'm in another off period. Okay. <laughs> well, 
COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, when COVID-19s, I would assume, uh, or I would think that part of your calling is to appear at different, um, you know, uh, women's groups, church groups, mm -hmm. and and just share your story. Yes. And, and kind of, you know, because um, it sounds like you have an important message to share. And uh, that's that's good to do. That's good to share. So you mentioned you're an artist. So you yes. mentioned how creative. So talk to me. Talk to me a little about that. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, well, let's see. I only recently decided I was an artist in 2019. OK. And up until that point, I actually fought it. I, I think that all of my life I told myself I was not creative at all. And, and I would tell you, I can follow a pattern, but I can't create anything on my own. Okay. And um, then I don't even know what happened. But I started seeing pictures during worship songs. Okay. And um, so that's what I started painting. Excuse me. That's what I started painting at first okay. was what I saw during worship. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, just went from there. So now mostly I do um, abstracts in the form of acrylic pours. Okay. And an acrylic pour is really fun because okay. you have absolutely no control over how it's going to happen. And so for perfectionists like me, mm -hmm. uh, it's really helpful <laughs> uh, to learn how to just let go and, and be sure. creative and have fun with it. And I started doing it, and I like it so much that that's really kind of what I do now. So I literally just pour the paint on the canvas. Wow. And um, there's also a reverse pour that mm -hmm. you can do, which is the opposite. Instead of pouring the paint on the canvas, you pour the paint out on a surface, and then you put the canvas face down on top of it. And then whatever comes out, comes out. And those are extra fun. I like those even more. Those usually yeah. turn out even better. But I like to use lots of colors in my paintings. Okay. Um, usually I'll use between 13 and 20 different colors that Neat. I mix. Yeah. You can buy acrylic paint that's ready to pour uh, now because it's such a popular thing that all the craft stores are starting sure. to sell. But I actually personally mix all of my colors intentionally. Uh -huh. And then um, I just put them in a cup and pour them out. Great. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yes. if, if, and we'll, we'll have a link to where people can see your work uh, oh, yeah. in the show. So uh, I'll make sure we have that. But just go ahead and tell them now if they want okay. to go see. Where, where could they go? Okay. Um, well, my main website is michelleewatson.com. Okay. And that's where you can find out about my book, speaking, anything that I'm writing, such as a Bible study course or anything like that, will be on that website. All of my art is at thecharmingartist.com. Thecharmingartist.com. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's that's good. Um, so it it appears faith is really important to you. And so oh, did, has it always been um, growing up? Has it been a big thing or has this been part of your journey as in adulthood and finding your kind of your, your, um, I guess just, you know, j faith journey. Um, no, it's always been a part okay. of 
my life. I grew up attending the Assemblies of God Church when I was a little girl. Yeah. And one of the best things that the Assemblies of God Church does is sponsors missionaries. Okay. And they, the missionaries, of course, because they're American citizens, have to come home every right. year for a certain amount of months on furlough. And so they'll travel the country to the different congregations to gain fundraising and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Okay. And so as a little girl, I would sit and I would listen to their stories and I was just so in awe. And, and two stories, I still remember two particular stories that just stood out to me. And one was about a girl who, um, I don't know, you know, whether family was missionaries too or anything, but she was running out of the school with a piece of paper and she fell and got a paper cut on her eye. Ouch. And I know. And so her mom was telling us about um, how God had healed her eye while they were on the mission field. Mm. And then um, there was another, may have even been the same lady. I don't know, but there was another story of, some missionaries who were in this really remote area and in order to get to their house, you had to be seen through a window that was in the house. Like there was a, you you couldn't make it up and down their path without somebody seeing you um, from the house. And so they were in need of groceries one day and uh, a man came with a load of groceries and gave them a couple bags of food And she watched down the path. She went to the window to watch him leave down the path. Mm -hmm. And there was nobody there. Okay. And so stories like that always made me want to be a missionary. I was like, oh, I want to be a missionary. I want those kinds of miracles. You know, Mm -hmm. that's really awesome. And um, so when I was about 14, when my parents were going through a divorce and my mom wasn't really going to church because she was working too much and um, daddy wasn't around. So he wasn't going to church. But sure. um, so for about three to four years, I went through this kind of crisis of faith okay. where I always knew one day I would follow God again. But I wasn't really interested in making it happen as a displaced 15 year old. Right. Yeah. yeah. So um, I. I did spend about four years of my teenage years away from him. But um, then my daughter, I got pregnant at 17 and almost gave my daughter up for adoption because I wasn't ready to be in church again. And I didn't want her raised outside of a Christian home. Okay. And um, when it came right down to it, though, I couldn't give her up. And I changed my mind and decided that I would keep her. And within... A year and a half or so, I was back in church and okay. had rededicated my life to Christ and and um, have just been growing in my faith ever since then. Good for you. Thank Very you. Very nice. That's nice. Um, so what's next um, once we get past COVID? What's next in Michelle's uh, either literary or artistic life? Well, um, What's next is I have some paintings that need to be put up on the website. They haven't been yet. Um, when George Floyd was killed, I did a painting that did not turn out the way I wanted it to because it doesn't depict what I'm seeing in my head. Um, 
but the idea behind the painting is to have black and white and red and a depiction of what unites us, divides us and, and yeah. how it's, it's our blood as humans. Yeah. It's humanity that unites us no matter who we are. Um, but when it is spilled in an unlawful manner, it divides us. Yeah. And so I'm still planning to work on that okay. while we're, that you sounds, know, still in COVID. That's but, a powerful um, metaphor. Thank you. Yeah. And I've got a, um, I'm thinking of starting a novel because okay. my, my love story is the kind of stuff that Hallmark movies are made. Okay. <laughs> Literally. And, um, we, so, you know, I, I was listening to somebody on the radio one day and they were talking about Hallmark movies and how, you know, this doesn't really happen in real life, but it's a way for women to fantasize and, and veg out and, and not face reality. And I was like, but it does happen. It happened to me. <laughs> so I'm planning to start that as a novel. And then um, I'm also working on a devotional, okay. which is going to be a word study devotional. All right. And it didn't hit me until just like yesterday. So mm -hmm. I'll share it with you. Sure. That a lot of women's devotional books are these really flowery, feel-good sure. things. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need, you know, plenty of that yeah. in our lives. But I want my devotional to be more meaty, to okay. be the kind of thing that men say, women aren't supposed to be that theologically inclined. You know, that kind sure. of thing. That's nice. I want, I want it to be um, something for women, but really academic, something really sure. that they can grab onto and and it not be so soft and pretty. And okay. that's kind of my my idea with that. But it's going to be a word study devotional. So it's going to delve into the Greek and the Hebrew behind a lot of words. Um, I use the complete Jewish study Bible for a lot of verses just because I like how it's worded. Oh, and, nice. um, thank you. And so I just want to, um, really get into those meanings of those words. Okay. And really build people's faith up with them. So I won't, I won't spoil the story. So, and, and ask you for the, um, the epic love story, but I have to ask, um, yeah. does it have a theme song? <laughs> oh gosh. Um, since we have, Oh, this is a music show. So I should have a theme song. Shouldn't I? We'll go with, um, Shania Twain. Yes. Either you're still the one okay. or it looks like you made it. Oh, nice. I like that. I like that a lot. Very yeah. good. Um, all right, so Michelle, what have I not asked you that I should have? Oh, I don't know. I think you asked me just about everything. Well, that's good. That's that's what? supposedly my job. <laughs> that's really good. Um, I do. Um, you, you before we go, you got to tell me how you got to meet um, Crystal Gale. So oh, that was okay. You got to brag so... a little bit. <laughs> um, I saw her in concert. 
Yes. And so there's this place in Georgia called the North Georgia Fairgrounds. Okay. And it's up in the Hiawassee area. And it's just a small little country fairgrounds. And they had her in concert up there. Okay. Well, they weren't, she wasn't scheduled. Okay. Somebody else was scheduled. And there ended up being a problem with the other artist's contract. Okay. Because she um, was changing agents or something. Okay. And so the contract got lost. So so they called up Crystal Gale and asked her to come in at the last minute, and she did. Okay. And so um, it's just always been my dream to see Crystal Gale. I okay. love her. I've always loved her hair. In yeah. fact, I'm trying to grow my hair out. That's why it's in a bun right now because okay. it's really long. And, um, so I, I just have always looked up to her Mm -hmm. and one, one reason I do look up to her is when I was in Oklahoma, I had moved back to Oklahoma for about a year at one time and after I graduated high school and I had an AM radio station and I only could, there were like two stations I could get on the radio station. I could get. Classic country. Okay. Or I could get um, Christian talk radio. Okay. And so because I was really coming into building my relationship with God at that time, I listened to a lot of the, the uh, talk radio, but I also listened to um, the classic country. And so I'm driving down the street one day, and I hear this song, um, You Never Gave Up On Me When I Was Given Love Up On You okay. by Crystal Gale. And that spoke so much to my heart that that's how God's love is for us, that okay. he didn't give up on me even during those four years that I had really kind of given up mm-hmm. on him. Yeah. And so it just was, you know, so I just couldn't wait to meet her. And so I went to this concert in Hiawassee. Well, they had, it was a really inexpensive concept. <laughs> and sure. since then, the North Georgia Fairgrounds has changed their prices. So I don't even remember what the price was, but it was really, really inexpensive. I and mean, we're talking cheap. And that was just to get in. And then the concert was included okay. in the gate price. And so you can't turn that down. I mean, right. right? And so they had a two o'clock showing and a seven o'clock showing. Well, I showed up with all these senior citizens at two o'clock. And it was really great, but I had yeah. to sit farther back. Sure. And so I said, you know what? I'm like two or three hours from home. I'm just going to stay for the seven o'clock show too. Oh, great. <laughs> and so I did. I stayed for the seven o'clock show too. And um, they had a pig calling contest. I mean, there was this whole little, you know, craft yeah. fair thing going on. that had a pig calling contest or pig races, I think it was. And, and all this other stuff. And, and the fairgrounds are built with these um, uh, almost like a village, like an old mountain village would have been, sure. you know, with the general store and stuff. So they had the general store with all of the antiques and stuff in there. So there was a lot to look at. And so I just walked around until the seven o'clock show. And there was a show, a band that opened for her. Mm-hmm. And both sets and they were really good too. They weren't the kind of music I usually listen to. And I would love to tell you who they were because they were really great. But anyway, after the two o'clock show, I I was one of the first in line to meet Crystal Gale and get my picture with her. 
and oh, get a signature. Fun. Yes, I bought the Crystal Gale um, T-shirt. Yeah. And um, from the, I don't want to say 70s, but it, yeah. I think it might have been the 70s. Um, and what else did I buy? I probably bought a CD because okay. that's, but it was really great. Yes. Do, you have, do you got a picture taken with her? I did. All right, yep. so you should send it to me, and when I post the podcast, I'll include okay. that photo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll do that. <laughs> All right, um, that is this is awesome. I have just enjoyed talking to you so much. Um, I just appreciate your your passion and your the idea that you are out trying to make the world better and trying to help women get better, and I I, I applaud that, and I'm, I'm I think you should be proud and continued work for that. Um, but I did give you some homework. What's that? So, um, and so, um, I, we talked about Thunder Road. Yes. So, all right. So, for those of you who have not heard the podcast before, uh, and to explain, because I do not give my guest a lot of advanced <laughs> notice, but so, so you can explain why I asked this. So, Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher out of the Philadelphia area. Okay. And each year, his seniors. He takes two days, and they take the uh, Springsteen song, Thunder Road, and they break it down as a poem. They go through all the lyrics. They treat. Uh-huh. They talk about the imagery of the show, what, uh, what is he implying, what are the different breakdowns. They compare it to Robert Frost, The uh, Road Not Taken. And uh-huh. at the end of the two days, his, uh-huh. he asks this class, does Mary get in the car? Okay. So, Michelle, that was your homework. It and, was. <laughs> and, and so, did you read the song? Did you listen to it? And do you have an opinion on does Mary get in the car? Well, I don't check my email every day. Okay. So, I literally saw this just before we got on our call today. Okay. Um, <laughs> but let me um, tell you, does she get in the car at the end of the song? If I was Mary, I would have gotten in the car. Okay. So I'm going to say yes. All right. That's a good answer. Can you tell me why you would have gotten in the car? Oh, I was a rebel. I All like right. the bad boys. Very nice. That's a, a good answer. Yes. That's a very good answer. Very nice. All right. Once again, uh, tell us how we can reach you. Are you on social media? Give us your website. Uh, plug away. I am on social media under Michelle E. Watson. And... My website is the same, michelleewatson.com, for my book, speaking engagements, Bible studies, different things that I offer. And my art is all sold at thecharmingartist.com. Very nice. Well, good. Well, um, Michelle, I I just appreciate your time. Uh, This was so nice um, to kind of pull back the curtain. There is a, a Facebook page where you go to find a guest and and offer to be a guest, and I had posted that I was interested in talking to people, and you reached out, and it was very nice of you to share your story with me. Um, it was entertaining, and I know my guests, I know my listeners are going to love it. Um, I'm going to end with, um, you, you got me in a spiritual mode, and so, um, and of course, it's a Bruce show, so my listeners are going, are we going to talk Bruce at all? Um, <laughs> they know this song. There is a song on Bruce Springsteen's High Hopes album called um, This Is Your Sword. Okay. And the lyrics are, this is your sword, this is your shield, this is the power of love revealed. 
Carry mm-hmm. it with you wherever you go and give all the love that you have in your soul. In the wow. days of despair, you can grow hard till you close your mind and empty your heart. If you find yourself staring into the abyss, hold tight to your loved ones and remember this. The shield will protect your sacred heart. The sword will defend from what comes in the dark. Should you grow weary on the battlefield, do not despair. Our love is real. Awesome. So bless you. Thank you for your courage and sharing. And thank you for just being great. And listeners, thank you. Please be safe during this uh, pandemic. Wash your hands. Do social distance. Resist, resist hugging your friends. Let's do this thing. Uh, wear the mask. I know it's uncomfortable, but let's all kind of take through this and be good for each other. We will see you on the other side. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce. Set Listing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.